right, guys, welcome back to another Rock With You podcast. Uh, this is episode 24. I have the awesome, the cool, the awesome, cool uh, Shalene Rodney with me here today. Hello, Shalene. How are you doing? Hello, I am doing super well. Super excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you for, for uh, what is it, applying to the, uh, accepting the invitation. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Um, uh, okay, so you guys know how we like to start it here. I usually like to start off with like, how do I know Shalene? Where do we meet? All this kind of stuff like that. Um, I'll just say, cause Shalene knows me. We were just talking about it earlier. <laughs> uh, but I'll say how I met Shalene, at least from what I can recollect. Um, well, we just were in a master's class, the Stanford Greens master class. Yes. And we uh, met through there a little bit prior before. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, you're looking at everybody's work and stuff like that. Um, and Shalene, like, and I'm going to get up into this later, but uh, I really enjoyed the clarity in her work. Her, her work just feels very clear. And I'm going to explain more about that um, later on the podcast. And somehow end up talking, reaching out. And um, that's kind of like how I remember meeting and just she has a good heart, just good head on her shoulders. And just like, I don't know, like, uh, Shalene, you just feel very natural. I don't know what that, <laughs> what that means. It's just like, you don't have like a, a certain mask that you're wearing or like, I'm this kind of person and I do this, but you're, I don't know, it just feels like you're a very uh, uh, natural, open, good-hearted person. So, uh, but yeah, that's how I met her. Uh, it was kind of like earlier this year, at least, from what I recollect to be even yeah. years prior that maybe we bumped into each other or something like that. But uh, Shalene, how do you, cause you, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you, you, okay, I'm gonna let you talk. Well, you see, I know of, I knew of Reggie for a long time, at least like five years, maybe, maybe it might've been more than that, but I say five years because that's kind of when I started my own journey drawing um, black characters. Yeah. And it was because of seeing Reggie's art why I was like, wait, I can draw black characters too. <laughs> and <laughs> so um, not to make it like a big deal, but for me in my life and where I grew up, I'm pretty sure I'll get into it a little bit later. That was a big deal because I always felt like I was kind of uh, not reflecting myself in my own work. So seeing Reggie's work early on, I started following, I don't know if it was Tumblr where his work was shared first. Oh, interesting. And then it was just circulating and I always had like a, a my folder of images that I'd save in myself oh. <laughs> back to to like inspire myself and I remember making the leap and just a couple of years ago and being like you know I'm gonna teach myself how to draw black characters mm. so I followed you onto Facebook and then that's okay. where I was getting like the updates like monthly I'd check in and see how you like what you would share and that was pretty much my like shadow stalking of his his work because he never knew I was there but I was so. oh my gosh yeah so and like he's one of the like Reggie you're one of the pillars to where I am today so oh, I oh god it's good because 
<laughs> I, I was like, I didn't know any of that was happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. That yeah. So she had told me, like, yo, like, you know, I've been following. I was like, oh man, that that like that blessed my heart so much. I was like, what? Like me? Like who, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like uh man, um, I don't know, it's just a blessing, and, and I'm I'm glad that the work, the the art that I do, you know, it was able to inspire you and your the things that you're doing now and the books and the characters and everything that you're doing now is just like so amazing. I can't wait to talk about it. I want to kind of say that so y'all keep listening. <laughs> so, but um yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um so good to hear. So good to hear that. Um I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, especially you kind of alluded to talking about um, a little bit about your past, but we all want to know who this awesome <laughs> is. We don't want to know how you grew up. How did little Shaleen grow up to be, you know, adult Shaleen that she is? Like, how was childhood? How was everything? Where did you come from? And all this kind of cool stuff. Okay, so my name is Shaleen. Um, my name is Shaleen right now because I actually just got married. Hey, hey, uh, what up? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ooh, congratulations, <laughs> But my my former name is Shalene Rodney, and I'm born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I was raised in, uh, I guess what you'd call the hood. <laughs> I was raised in the hood. <laughs> or like, I don't like to use the word ghetto because that's not the way I associated it as a child. I never seen it as a ghetto, but I called, it was called the hood. So um, if you know Toronto, then you probably know where I'm talking about. It was like and the North, in North York, North York region. And um, for me, although I was born in another city, I was raised from when I was about five till my teenage years in that area. So it was the environment was very impressed. Like I had a huge impression right. from the... Uh, the culture. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I guess just to be honest and raw, it's like the years that I was there, um, it was still a plat not a platform, but turf war between like bloods and crips. Yo, so if you know about right. that, then it was like a huge thing. Um, it's a very serious thing in the 2000s. So wow. um, and where I lived, it was like the height of that area. Um, so you had to be careful with the colors that you wore and mm. the things that you said and the people you associated with. But here I am and like a little girl and my parents come from Jamaica and my mom loves um, Victorian art. So if you know Jamaicans, uh, they, their style of, let's say, furniture and the things that they have around their home reflect like the Victorian area and like Rococo and all that stuff. So my mom has like these really nice Victorian style chairs and she has like these paintings around the house, even though she wasn't a painter outright or anything, but she'd always collect like paintings and figurines and things like that. So I always grew up looking at these paintings and I I never really drew back then, like when I was really, really young, but I always associated art to be like, this is fine art. And this is beautiful. So this is beauty to me. And, and I found it beautiful personally. So even though I was in like this gang war outside, <laughs> when I'm inside, I felt like I was actually in like this really big romance 
romantic like story that I was building myself. So it was like a really nice getaway. And um, somewhere in there, um, my siblings and I, oh, there's also this part too. So <laughs> I have very many siblings. Oh, cool. And okay. I, have, I have five brothers and Ooh. one other sister that uh, I was raised with. Yeah. And so we all grew up very close together. So when we would go to church, sometimes they would be doodling during the service and I'd just be there watching them doodle. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be, I want to doodle one day and I want to doodle better than my siblings and my sister per se like my oldest sister she's the first born in our family yeah and she was like amazing at bubble letters <laughs> to the point where I was like you know I want to be that I want to I want to be good at bubble letters too and for me and like if you were raised in a big family you probably understand what it's yeah. like to want to have something that you're known for like everyone's yes. trying to be, make a name for those right 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 that's good i did grow up in a big family too so like yeah you know. do you so you understand it, it's kind of like i wanted like i'm sixth born in the line so i'm pretty close to the end so i had like no uh leverage <laughs> I had no like rights so the way we work in our family it's kind of um if you I guess other cultures do it too but you kind of just respect your elders so even if they're older than you by like a day which none of my siblings were but just for example right. sake you honor that and if they ask you to do something you do it right. so me being sixth born the youngest after me was five years younger so I was already at a disadvantage I was <laughs> practically like the youngest in the sense that everything I felt like everything was on me to yeah. kind of figure out based on the lives that my siblings lived so although it was a privilege it was a challenge because I had to make the right decisions and everything fell back to what is she going to do after knowing what they did so I always right. felt like okay they did art should I do art too and they were actually talented in so many other things. And I was just like, okay, but what am I good at? Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't actually start drawing until one of my brothers introduced anime into oh, the yeah. household. That's so that's when it kind of just like, because <laughs> I was exposed to traditional like uh, American and Canadian animation. Yeah. And, but the, I never felt like it was me. And then when I watched Sailor Moon as a child, which lots of little kids were exposed to, I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is all right. Like, I like it. It's an, it's cute. Yeah. It's approachable. It's, I felt like, oh, this is a way that I can express myself. Although I didn't see it like that, immediately I just gravitated to it because I found myself in there yeah. and it became a part of my imagination. So after I met Sailor Moon and other different animes that they introduced me to and just the exposure to a different style, like I right. never seen anything like that before. That's when I found like, well, I want to try drawing this. And when I started drawing it, then I realized, well, I like it. I just right. like art now. Right, 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 right. right. That was huge. Fast forward a little later. <laughs> we were in uh, middle school now. Yeah. Just to continue on my, who am I? Because actually, yes, yes, yes. this all, want <laughs> <laughs> all this. Honestly, it's like my art, my connection to art was my development as an artist is reflected is connected to my development as a person mm. so that's kind of like how it went hand in hand in my life when I really reflect on it so by the time I reached the middle school I realized okay 
I'm a young black girl who likes anime in a gang neighborhood and it's awkward. And at that time, black people weren't really open yes, about it. Yes, I know. <laughs> me, and the, me and the homies talk about this all the time. <laughs> we talk about all the time. I talk about how much I kept it a secret and how we had one friend that just didn't care. And I was, we were like, yo, you need to calm down with that secret of ours that we do. <laughs> You can't tell people like you can't tell other black people. I mean, like right. even the other races, because they're more, and at least in my neighborhood, they're more open about right. it. Yeah, yeah. But other black people was kind of like shunned, and I didn't actually know any black people who watched anime until I was like over eighteen. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. When I, I had the first opportunity to go to like an anime club after school, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So I went, and there was like all of these kids, like of different races there. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I never felt like I could be around other anime heads like that. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I can actually talk about what I'm interested in. But although I didn't actually pursue the club itself, it just showed me, you know, there's a space where I can go to talk to people and things like that. Fast forward a little bit more. It's because of that step that I made going to the anime club is yeah. where I met like my strong, my, my closest friends now. Cause I, I noticed them in the crowds and then outside the, in everyday life, when I seen them in school, I was like, well, this was that connecting factor. Ah, yeah. It wasn't math. It wasn't sports. It wasn't just regular art class. It was anime. Yeah. And that was kind of like me kind of accepting, you know, this is just who I am. Right, 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 right. right. Even though I wasn't over about it because I, I feel like I don't kind of try to make an impression about things I like anyways. Yeah. Even though I wasn't like directly open about it, I always felt like, you know, this is what I enjoy. And I enjoy drawing um, anime at the time. Yeah. And yeah. the way I would draw it, like I would, collect printer paper from the recycle bin after school <laughs> just compile them and when you when your parents bring you to dollarama you get like those clear those uh clear plastics yeah 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 you slide your printer paper in there after you do a, a crazy good drawing on it right protect so that it's like this is my baby <laughs> you make your own like little sketchbook like that and Several years I was doing that and my friends introduced me to how I can start doing that. And I made my first comic in middle school and I was like, hey, this is this is cool. I can possibly yeah. potentially see myself drawing more in the future. Right, 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 right. Based on where I came from, my vision for my future um, was kind of like I feel fortunate because I had I always had big dreams. Yeah. So I was like, you know. Uh, I was exposed to different forms of living when I was really young through my grandmother. Right. And so I felt like I, my standard of life, I didn't consider to be bad. It was just normal. <laughs> so right, 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 when right, I right. Said, you go on TV on satellite at the time and you see like save the children and you put what poverty looks like. I thought poverty was like, that I never thought that I was in poverty. Right. I just I'm just living life. I'm just a regular 10-year-old, nine-year-old girl. Just and if I need to help someone in need, that's who I help. Yeah. But yeah. I never considered that that was me because I never understood like the power dynamics and society like that. Right. So right, right. now that I'm getting a little bit 
when I was in that situation and getting exposed to different kinds of jobs, I was like, you know, I want to be a psychiatrist when I grow up. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be educated. I want to live in a nice area like the ones I see, like on the bus and stuff when I'm yeah. going places. Like that's the life that I want. And I was very happy with it. I want to be a marriage counselor, things like things of like uh, esteem, <laughs> things of common esteem. And I think it's, a, those are great career paths, but that's just where my mindset was. So I was actually really happy that I, looking back, like I'm happy that I had those kinds of esteems <laughs> because at least I, I modeled my, my life in a way based on those decisions. So when I went into high school, I knew, okay, well, I should probably position myself to go there. Yeah. So for me, considering who I, who I was then, I was just a young girl that wanted to do well because I seen that I didn't have the best, but it was normal. I get, like it was just a normal thing. So in high school, I feel like that's kind of where the shaking really began uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was still drawing a lot. Like I drew all the time, every day, in and out. But my mindset was still like, hey, I'm going to... U of T I'm going to uh, McMaster, like some universities here mm. because I want to become a psychologist. Like that's right, it. Like right, I told right. people. <laughs> so I was just drawing for fun. And I remember taking like a music class because I love music at the time too. I really love to sing. Yeah. And yeah. one of my, my music teacher at the time, she's like uh, teaching the class and she's like, okay, go into like your breakout sessions and just practice what we just did. Yeah, and she yeah. was coming around and I wasn't feeling well that day or something. And I was drawing on my printer paper, you know, you got to draw on your printer paper. Right now. <laughs> so she comes around she's like, Shaleen, you're really good. Mm. And like, I've been told that before. Yeah. But I was just like, yeah, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. She's like, no, you're good. Sign up for my art class. Oh, yeah. sick! Oh, so they had a, she, she, like, You're an art teacher. She's like, yeah, I, I'm. I'm the art teacher. I'm like, but you're a music teacher. She's like, no, I'm both. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, no, you know, the class is full, but I'm gonna get you a spot in. Oh, She's like, I'm getting you in class. And I'm like, okay. She's like, are you gonna give it a shot? And I'm like, I'll give it a shot. Like, I like art and. Up until that point, I didn't even know that there was an art class. I just went to school. <laughs> I was just in school. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just right, trying right. to make it. <laughs> so I, my mindset was not even towards like thinking that art could be a possibility for me because right. the art that I saw, especially I know other listeners may understand, like being on deviant art too. Like I used mm-hmm. that as well. Like my art was nowhere near. <laughs> the people on the front page so it was like I seen that as if I can get to that level then I'd be successful but I knew that where I could scale myself at that time it was just not possible Mm -hmm. and then I take the art class and it was amazing it was so much fun it just it actually it felt like home and I was like this is this is turning into something, but I was already in grade 11. So the thing was, at least here in Canada, yeah. you have to start thinking about your university level things from your ninth, from grade nine. Right. But I didn't know that. So right. although I was positioning myself for a specific career in psychology, I was doing it incorrectly at the time because no one tells you that outright, like, okay, start planning your future now (laughs) sometimes I'm like why didn't no one tell me (laughs) like Like, I was doing it you know but just keep going keep going (laughs) 
No one told me at least. I was out here just trying to, I just thought I'd get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classes that make sense. And I remember being pulled into the guidance counselor's office. And he's like, so you want to go to this school to do this thing, but your courses have nothing to do with where you're going. And I'm like, so what are you telling me? <laughs> and he's like, well, you just have to take more classes. But then I said, well, I want to take this art class. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you have to, I believe it was an extra class, but my, my thoughts wasn't even towards taking art. Like it was just a pastime when I was taking it. Right, right. I ended up taking like a university level English for the first time, mm-hmm. um, university level um, like biology and all of those things just to become this psycho- this picture in my mind that I had. And I was very fixed on it. Like, cause that was my out. I said, I'm going to make it out and I'm going to make it. Like, right, it's, right, right, I, right. I, didn't, I never doubted it. I just, you know, was going to get out. So um, at the time when I was going through this transition of, okay, I need to make my courses reflect where I want to go. I, I met a crossroads when I finally got to grade 12, my final year. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had... I have to do all these classes just to get into university alone because there's college and then there's university and college level classes and university level classes. Like it's a different path altogether. Right, right, right. um, When I reached grade 12, I said, I'm doing okay in, actually I was doing fairly well in my, uh, my psychology path that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. I was doing exponentially well in my art area like to the point where I was at top of my class like I was doing I was like it was just that experience for me of being in an art class nothing was everything was a challenge but nothing was hard because I I wanted to do it right right and that was the place where I received my first sketchbook and I was just like man this was my humble beginning I never had a sketchbook until then until I was 16 almost turning 17 I was like man like it kind of broke the floor for me and I said wait is there a possibility that I could be doing this for real for real so now I'm gonna fast for a little bit where I had to make a decision in grade 12. I'm, am I going to study art? Am I going to study and do the psychology? What happened? I was like, you know what? <laughs> I remember like the school I applied to was OCAD, OCAD University here in Toronto. It's one of the, it's considered one of the best arts, fine art schools. Right. So I applied for that program and I didn't know that I'd get in, but I remember when I went for the, the portfolio review, I knew that I got in right, that day. Right, right, I, was right. like, I feel so good about this. I feel like it's for me. So I applied to it. I got in. I said, you know, what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it. I want to see what happens. So I went to art school and everything <laughs> that I thought would have been just kind of like flipped on its head because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of artists probably experience this too, where in, in high school, when you reach grade 12, you're at the top tier. You're above yeah, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even if you're not that great, you're still above everybody. Right. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Art school's different because everyone's trying to make it. Yeah. But in a way, for me, I kind of understand. I seen classes for the first time. And that was probably my biggest, like, uh, awakening of life right i seen you know where i 
came from, I was, they're like, no, Shaleen's the first person in 15 years. I might have a number wrong, but it was like probably 15 years, no, 12 years to the first student to ever apply and get into an art school. I was the first oh in so long. God, are you serious? I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm carrying this big torch. <laughs> and I felt good about it because I knew it was a decision I was making for myself. But the challenging part about it was like, I came from a place where it was like, Shaleen, you're gonna, you're taking this torch of Westview Centennial and you're gonna be going and doing this thing. And I felt great. And then I went to school and they're like, oh my gosh, you came from that school? Right. You come from that neighborhood? And I'm like, wait, what? There's something wrong with it? <laughs> like, yeah, and it's a school, right? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I never had that experience before. Like yeah. even in sports in high school, I met with other people from other schools, but I never heard of the reputation of different schools like that. So in that regard, I had to really start to ask myself some questions about, you know, who am I as a person and where I come from and what does that mean to me? And it wasn't until I got into art school, I considered myself an artist at all. So before that, I was just like, you know, a person just doing drawing. But after going through some of those classes, I was like, this is actually really hard. And I feel like I'm creating like this identity for myself. And I finally considered myself an artist. Mm -hmm. And then when I went through one class, particularly in my second year, it was called contemporary art. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember my teacher's name, but he said something to me that kind of just, it blew my world because the art, sorry, no, the class was about, you know, where was art history before and where are we now? And my question was, okay, what era of art are we in now so I can make my name for myself? (laughs) So I was like, okay, where do I fit? Just tell me where I fit. And then he goes, okay guys, so we caught up to modern day times and it turns out, you know, the art world is not like it used to be where, you know, fine arts is highly regarded in a way where making a career out of it is uh it's like a trade like it's a it's a thing it's not like that the way it used to be but he says well we're in modern day times and uh what what is that there's a saying they say um art for art's sake i remember this Mm -hmm. saying yeah it blew my mind he's like you know making art for art's sake and being in fine arts you have to find yourself in the mix but he said at the end of the day it is what you make it and i'm like you're telling me i'm spending nine ten grand a year for you to tell me this, I said, "Hold on, I need a job. <laughs> I need a job." Like, Wait, don't have that kind of freedom. Like, I can't. I was like, has to add up. Like, I need a job. <laughs> oh my god, no, I need a job. I was dead serious. I was at a point in my life where, although I loved art, I said, "I need to know that when I reach the end of this path, that I made it." Yeah. And the thing was, I was so fixed on this idea of making it, making mm-hmm. it. I need to get above. I need to rise up. And even though, like, in that moment, I felt like, you no, know, th- throughout those years, I was kind of like chipping away at this sculpture of my life that I yeah, felt was yeah. vaguely coming together. When he said that, it felt like everything in me broke. <laughs> And I said, no, I said, no, you have to guarantee when I finish this drawing and painting degree, I'm going to be employed or have a job or have a career or something because homegirls got to eat. Okay. <laughs> I just, I have to 
know. <laughs> I thought he was going to be okay. But he didn't give me that, that certainty. And mm. I connected with that professor at the time and I made a decision. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do art anymore. I'm going to do linguistics, which is my second passion because I love language learning. And I was learning Korean since I was uh-huh. in high school. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, let me go yeah. learn language. <laughs> I was like nuisance I'm out of this degree I'm going to another school I'm gonna go study another thing so <laughs> it was a hard decision I didn't tell anybody about it I didn't tell wow my mom but I didn't really tell my siblings until after I got into the new program yeah I was like I'm literally making this big choice I don't know if I'll get in but I just need to make a decision for my future because I don't know if I'll make it in art because looking at the, my peers around me I was like I'm not like them at all like I was assured by my professors that I was different they told me I had a lot of talent a lot of skill and they told me to work at it yeah. but I didn't have that belief in myself at the time mm. and the awareness that you know when you're studying and pursuing fine arts or drawing and painting you're literally becoming your own business person right. you're literally creating your own career and you can't expect that it's going to fall into your hand. It's something that you mold yourself. And mm. I didn't. And I thought like, you know, it's like a design degree, like a graphic design, you have a resume and you have like a portfolio. You just like, you know, you can kind of get picked up and put under a little company's <laughs> wing. But I mean, it's not like that when you just know how to paint and you know how to draw and, right. and illustrate. You have to be that go-getter. And I didn't see myself as that at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I don't have what it takes so I'm going to switch my degree because it's an easier route to guaranteeing that I'll have the financial security I wanted at the end of the day so I studied linguistics for uh, several years I, I did a degree in linguistics and then I went overseas and and taught English mm. in Korea because in my linguistics degree I also got certification for ESL so I could teach ESL here in Canada or I could teach uh, English as a as a foreign language overseas right right so, and I love it I love it a lot but it was funny the minute I switched my degree over to linguistics catch me drying inside of all those lectures catch me drying <laughs> I'm like you see Shaleen why didn't you believe I said why didn't you believe and the thing was it burned me inside because I took a year off during my degree and I started learning like business and online marketing yeah 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 that's where I started to see like you know there is a path that I can take to make art my future or at least to make money off it yeah yeah. I wanted to generate income like in some way so I started learning about online marketing and Instagram and Facebook and uh, just the whole works and it was probably the most depressing year of my life because (laughs) (laughs) you know you realize that there is a whole world out there in terms of sales and Mm -hmm. being an artist I'm like I never if I didn't I didn't know all of that before I was just a student that came fresh out of high school into university just drawing every day but I never opened 
my mind to the possibilities that there are other forces at play when you look at, you know, uh, a magazine cover and or just any sort of advertising that's coming to you. It's not just random. Someone thought about that. Right, right, right. They place things, whether it's time of day, whether it's the color, whether it's the app that you're using that's presenting mm-hmm. that to you. I never thought of that. And hashtags. So I'm like, there's a system to this. So yeah, while I'm studying linguistics now, I'm like, I need to make money. My problem was money. I need to make money in order to continue this. So I was like, why don't I start um, drawing children's books, essentially, yeah. for local authors that, you know, they need a hand. We were helping each other. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll use the year off what I took to learn business. I'll start doing that while I'm in school. So in my second or third year of learning with uh, my linguistics degree, I started working with uh, my first uh, like local author in the U.S. Oh. And it was an experience. I never like, actually illustrated a book before, but, you know, you present yourself the right way. Yeah. And you show them, you know, I'm an artist. I do these things and you, you have with integrity, <laughs> you create um, uh, honest contract <laughs> and there's an exchange. So you're, you're working. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got paid to create a book. And my thing was, I don't think I have the art style or the, I didn't feel confident that I could just draw for people based off mm-hmm. of commissions. I said, I want to create a, like a, a his, something that'll last forever. Right. So I wanted the, the children's book area was for me. And I was really inspired actually by Anusha Saeed at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was another Toronto-based illustrator. And I was like, she went, I think she went to OCAD too. Oh, she went to OCAD. She finished her degree. Even though she had a hard time, she did say that, but she did it. And I'm like, I can do it too. Right. I'm like, it's possible. Even though I'm in linguistics now, I can do it too. So I managed to work with an, an author at the time in the, in the U.S. and we communicated over Facebook. It was like a little exchange, but that gave me the confidence to see mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I just made, let's say a thousand dollars to make, to, to do a whole children's book. That is very cheap. Everybody. I <laughs> If you've been doing this for a long time, but if you're starting out, you have, humble beginnings are the best way to, to frame it. <laughs> but you're like disclaimer. thousand dollars is not where you want to see yourself long term. Right. But if it's going to give you that confidence, or it's going to give you the beginning that you need to tell other authors, okay, right. I'm a sta- like I've done this. Not that quote-unquote established but I've done this before and if you need anyone else to vouch for that here's this person here's the book that I did my name is on the cover so I did that book it gave me the confidence I needed and I did it again (laughs) and then I did it again I was still in school yeah when I went to Korea as well I was doing that after my full-time job right and I was like okay I'm like in a place where I love doing art I love linguistics, yeah. but I don't love teaching now. I want to be drawing right now. I, <laughs> right. See myself, I see myself drawing all day. Why? I'm like, why am I stuck in this box? I'm like, I'm stuck in this classroom. And I, what I want to do is draw. All I want to do is draw and like yeah. draw for people and draw for children. And that was where my heart was. And it tore me inside that I 
put myself in a position where I said financial stability over passion. Mm. Uh, not really over, it actually wasn't really passion. It was like, it's a feeling inside where you only feel good when you're working at it. And there's this, it's like, I was more content working at um, a service industry job. Like uh, I said, I'd rather be working in a grocery store and doing my art on the side, right. making honest money, but honestly working on my portfolio right. than having an established career in uh, teaching ESL formally or doing any other linguistics derived career. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't happy at all. And what broke my heart about it was the fact that it was based off of one decision that I made to switch schools. But inside of that, I said, you know what? I was in South Korea at the time. This was yeah. 2018 to 2019. And that's when I heard about Lightbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard about Lightbox okay, for the okay, first okay. year okay. that it launched. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna try and go to Lightbox after I finish this contract in South Korea. Yeah. And when I go... I'm not going to have any expectations on what it is that I'm looking for. I'm just going to go because I want to feel what it's like to be around other artists. So this is that same girl that's as a child, I'm trying to make it. I I just want to see what that life is like other artists that, you know, they're like me and maybe in a different career or they're trying to find where they are in the world. And Lightbox did that for me. I Mm. finished my contract. I went to LA and um Pasadena and everything I never traveled like to the U.S. like that alone before and that was a huge step and when I went there it's like I was um in the audience of all these panels and what blew my mind was seeing like art directors from DreamWorks and like all these other fantastic studios share how human they were right and I was like wait you understand how this feels like the feeling of wanting to get to this place this feeling of um longing this feeling of misdirection like at the time I was like there's so much that I feel like I could be doing that I'm not doing and there's, there's a place in my heart that I want to be I don't know if it's the right place but I'd rather take the risk to try yeah yeah and I understand that it's a privilege for some people to say, you know what, you can risk trying because you have like a safety net. Like some people, they still have family that they can stay with. Some people, they still have like uh, savings and all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I was like, I, I'm at a place now where I know that I spent four years getting this degree that I don't want. Right. Like I want it, but I don't want to work in it. Like I, I don't want to make it my life. Yeah. And I remember there was not a panel. No, no, there was a panel. There was a panel by Stefan Frank, I believe. Hmm. And he's if you if you search him, you'll you'll know. I'm but like, I, I, this sounds super familiar, but I don't know. <laughs> he has a comic out. He does it's on, it's called Silver, I believe. But anyways, I spoke with him and he was uh, at the time working on I think into the spider verse, one of those, or he was like, uh, he in some way. Yeah. Yes. And then, <laughs> so it was the last day of the event in Pasadena at Lightbox, and I actually for being in Lightbox, I felt like I found what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I found that you know what, 
I'm going to take the leap yeah. and work on a new portfolio. Cause I just came back to Canada and then I went to, to Lightbox just for the weekend. So I said, from that day, I said, you know, I'm going to take the leap and just work on a portfolio to show just myself, to prove to myself that, you know what, Shalene, you've spent all these years trying to fulfill this idea of stability that I created based on this hope that I'd be financially stable. Mm-hmm. And well, I neglected my desire to want to create art for myself and see, you know, what what can I actually produce from the art that I'm making? Because right. even though I was working on these books with other authors, I never actually felt that I was working on my own skills. Right, 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 right. I was doing it because I enjoyed it. Like, because I was producing my best work. I actually felt like I was just trying to make money. So it was like, I need to try to pay my bills, but I never felt like it was my best work. And when I finished Lightbox, I said, you know, I want to see what I made up. Like, I want to challenge myself for the next four months. And then as everything was wrapping up, I went to the, uh, there was like an area where you can talk to the artist. And that's where I met Pascal Campion. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I met like my favorite artist. Yeah, because I'm like, I look at your work and like, I'm like, oh, you guys too bad. Okay, then. I met him. I'm pretty sure I was one of the many thousands you met. But I met him. So that made my day. But the way I met him was pretty, was helpful to me because I met Stefan Frank. I was actually going to walk up to Pascal Cavi and say, hi, can you please sign this book that I bought from you? But I was too scared. So I, I walked up and then I got scared and I made like a right. <laughs> and then it ended up at another booth. And then it was Stefan Frank's booth. And he's like, oh, hey. And the lady at the counter, she's like, hey, are you here to buy a book? And I'm like, no. I'm actually not here to buy a book. Oh, she's like, oh, do you um, do you want to speak with Stefan or something? Right. And I'm like, uh, no. But she's like, oh, he's right here. Come talk to him. And she just calls him over. And the joke was that earlier that same day, I was in his panel. Right. I left his panel for someone else's because I thought it would have been more important for where I seen myself. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. His panel was about how to create art that tells stories. Essentially, it was about like um. Because he, uh, what was it called? In film, there's like, or in general, with storyboarding, I'm never, I'm not really into it like that. Right, but right, right. He was teaching on how to tell story. And the joke was when I went to, when I went to his panel, I was learning that, but there was another panel that started 20 minutes after his started. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about how to make it as a children's book illustrator. Oh, right. So you I was like, like hey, let me wait. I was like, I have to go with the one where I see myself in. Yeah, so yeah. I, his but then when I went to when I stopped by his booth he was like hey did you are you someone that caught one of my panels and I'm like yeah you know I I was in one of your panels (laughs) I was in the one from today actually right (laughs) I wasn't there the whole time but honestly I I wish I would have stayed because I feel like I missed something from it and he's like you know what what are you feeling and I'm like honestly I feel overwhelmed after attending this entire weekend mm-hmm. he's like so what are you experiencing are you okay and he, he sat me down and he was like you know um what is it that you're experiencing and I said I feel like I kind of wasted my time you know in the past that like just going on this easter egg hunt mm. to find out where I'm supposed to be in all of this 
in life and in my own life and what I want for myself. And I said to him, like, you know, when in my art, I don't feel like I'm saying anything anymore. And that, and that kind of broke me because I'm not, I wasn't saying anything because I was never really working for me. I was working out of a need to create uh, stability in my life, but never really, I, I stopped exploring for me. And he's like, so do you have any art? Have you like done any work? I'm like, no, like I have art, but I didn't come with a portfolio. I didn't go to Pasadena to be critiqued. I went there to feel if, to know if this was my home, like, yeah, 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 yeah. if that was where I should be. And he's like, so you don't have any art. I'm like, well, I have this like one portfolio that I made like three years ago that I used to get my old clients. And I showed him that. And he's like, Shaleen, you're really good. Like, <laughs> you're actually good. He's like, you didn't go to a portfolio review. I'm like, nope. And he's like, no, you're actually good. If you stick with it, he's like, if you, he's like, I don't know where you are now in your artistic journey, but he says, based on what you've shown me so yeah, far, yeah. your consistency in your work that you've been demonstrating in your characters and like the expressions. And I had like a couple Instagram posts I showed him mm-hmm. because I didn't have Wi-Fi or I mean uh, data because I was in the US at the time. Oh yeah, right, right, right. I didn't really do much. I was just like, hey, I have a couple screenshots here and there. He's like, no, based on what you've shown me, you have what it takes. And hearing that from somebody mm-hmm. who was like, who's who's in the industry. Yeah. Like I was, I sat in all the talks and everything. But hearing that from someone out of the kindness of his own heart, because he didn't have to sit me down. He didn't have to take me to the side. He could have just treated me like a customer. Yeah. And I feel like that was just the grace of God in my life. And because I went there just trying to feel like, just trying to know if that was a possibility for me. And that was my leap of faith going to my first convention. Yeah. That was my first one in my life. Mm-hmm. And I traveled like nine, 10 hours from Toronto to go there. <laughs> but then this man took, he, like this very kind gentleman took me to the side. And I'm like, when he said that to me, mm-hmm. like it's flame inside, just like, right. and I was like, wait, he's like, I'm like, you really think so? And he's like, you can do it and he yeah. called his friend to the side he's like look at her art and I'm like what do you think and he said no you're you're doing really well do not believe that you're like you're not right. good at the things that you tell yourself and I say that be, because I want to highlight this point because sometimes it really does take somebody mm. else to see what's in you yeah, and because you can even be good at what you do. <laughs> you could actually be good at and everyone is affirming you in your level. But sometimes mm-hmm. you need a teacher to tell you. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you need an instructor to tell you. And it takes make like making that leap of faith to do that. So when I consider who I am, I consider that like the birth of who I am, because that was like the beginning of me starting to say, you know, I've been drawing my entire life and sometimes it's always been on the back burner. I always somehow put art on the back burner and sometimes it's not exactly art for everybody because there are artists who can do it just for financial stability because they still have another thing in their life that's more important. Right. So I feel like for whatever it is for the individual in their life, when you know there's something you can do for endless hours on end and 
it can be challenging and it can be hard, but it's the, you'd rather be doing that. It's better to nurture it. It's better to take time to develop that than it is to rely on the ideas and the concepts of solely financial stability, solely just this idea of success. When really, I feel like, I feel like in this age that we're in now, it's not so much about working your butt off. It's about finding balance between doing the things that you love and being able to serve those that you love through the thing that you enjoy doing. Right. And it's like, if we get stuck in the mindset of, okay, I just need to work. I need to grind. I need to just do this thing. And I'm totally about grinding. So <laughs> I am totally about grinding. If you know anything about me, you have to work in my own life. So. <laughs> she said, Trust me, I work. Don't, you don't have to guess it. <laughs> so in terms of who I am now, I am honestly just Shaleen. I'm an artist. I am a child of God. I am, I'm me. I'm just me. And I'm glad that I can have art as a mode to express that part, the parts of me and the parts of my life that I feel I'd rather not just say directly, like why not just catch a snapshot in an illustration, like in that way. But yeah, it's hard to describe who I am in my history in a nutshell because I talk a lot when I'm ready. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, take the leap. I am someone who likes to take leaps and takes up challenges. And I want the best out of life based on what's yeah. been given to me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing Shaleen, everyone. She let go. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was so rich. Oh, I was like, we can just cut the podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Dang. I should have been writing notes down little different things that I wanted to pick up out of that. But, um, oh, that is, oh, okay. So I'm going to, yeah, right now I'm going to kind of pick back through some of that. There was a lot of good stuff. One of the things I love how you talked about, I think it was uh, what Stefan uh, Frank, Stefan? Yes, 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 Stefan Frank. Yeah, and having, like, again, just how beautiful him sitting you down, having that time, that that uh, one-on-one and not feeling rushed, not feeling like you're just yes. a casual person that's just, you know, or, hey, you're, you know, buy my stuff if you're not buying it or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You're nothing but like I love um how he spent that time um and and shared uh the truth of what he saw and especially somebody of that high esteem. Um mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like those are some of the most powerful, most beautiful moments that we can have. And it's so cool how you could have all of this either chatter or words or people talking, but sometimes it can just take one individual to be like, yo, like you're like this is really good and it just like it shines the correct light the right timing and and everything like that so oh I'm so that's such a blessing to hear and it's such a blessing to hear that from someone that is uh you know working in the industry and has a good name because I mean it's like sometimes you you could meet somebody or you have a thought like oh man like this person's so great this person's so great or whatever and the interaction that you may have with that person is not so great or uh could be negative (laughs) or something like that and it's like just as as heavy as 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 the words that he gave you that lifted you up um somebody in that same place could say something and like 
put a whole bunch of weight and put you down, you know, kind of thing. So it's true. I think it's, I'm just so glad that um, that blessing came through him. And um, it's good to hear that, especially with people that are, you know, in our industry or in doing art, making a living out of it. And that just the power of us lifting each other up, you know, there's really, um, um, we should be doing that, you know, and that's just like what this whole podcast is about. This whole thing is like, you guys, we're lifting each other up. We're, we want to see all of us make it, you know, yeah. um, and happy, not just like, oh, make it like, again, I love how you, you know, talk about like, just not just financially making it, but yeah. like having that balance and having uh, like, it, it, like you, you love it, you, you enjoy it, you get to explore who you are, you're learning more who you are, and you're giving something to others, um, you know, with this, this skill and this, um, you know, this power you have, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, and I'm like, all about that. I'm super all about that. So, um, dang, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to keep it rolling. I'm going to keep it rolling because <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm going to talk about just a little bit like with your art and you brought up Paul. I, I, I can't Pascal. Pascal. No, Pascal. Um, Pascal I think it's Pascal. Captain. I I'm, I'm thinking it. of like, I'm sorry. I just thought about another, another Pascal- artist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, no, because like you said his name and I was like, oh my gosh, like, cause of your work has a very, similar type of feel just kind of like uh, his work I love like the um it like has a very uh at least this is for me okay you guys we're gonna have links for you to check out her work everything like that you know what I'm saying um mm-hmm. but when I see your work there is uh which is kind of cool because you grew up around this this traditional and this uh you know uh I forget uh it starts with an R. I forget. Rococo. Is it? I don't know. What was I it? I, I know that it's Rococo style. That that's it. Yeah. And um, but even no, when you were a child, like the kind of art that your mother oh like the victorian style yeah victorian or just like um i should just think renaissance or just like this renaissance yes i think that's it's better so it's (laughs) (laughs) it's like this that type of like you can feel the the heart and undertones of like this kind of like this painted world right um and then but you have such a freshness on top of it so like your your interest in anime like and also too like uh sailor moon was like my first anime and that was i was (laughs) like yo this is nuts and like that like turned everything for me so when you were talking about all that i was like (laughs) and then you had talked about the uh the anime club um, it's funny, dang, I'm now I'm talking about myself, but I, I guess I'm gonna show how some okay. you said a lot of things that connected with me. I just but I didn't want to be like, no, I wanted to let you keep talking. But um at my high school, I started the anime club at my high school, like their first or whatever. And like I remember, well, I started out in my senior year and it was like one of the biggest clubs, and it was the most like diverse club. So wow. many people. Um, mm. you know, um, and mostly it was just like a lot of the like the freshmen and sophomore mostly filled up the anime club. Um, maybe a couple of juniors and maybe like a little bit of seniors, like maybe <laughs> some of my friends. I don't know, maybe they're like, yo, I can't, I can't come out yet. I can't <laughs> <let them> know. <laughs> 
the youth, the young, the freshman and sophomore, like, yo, they was like, yo, we're, you know, they were coming, you know, introducing all these different animes. We had like uh, game tournaments and like Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, all this kind of stuff like that. But it just bringing people together um, that all enjoyed and loved this. And there was no, uh, you know, just no, no, yeah, it was just beautiful. So it was so cool to hear, hear that about you and hear how that also like, these different things in your life, how they have been like footprints that have like got you to where you are now or are a part of your your work or a part of your art. And um, yeah, so like, again, I was saying that it feels like it has this very uh, traditional and Renaissance feel in the, in like the underneathing heart. And then you're, you have such a, this clean anime, like, tune vibrant beauty like <laughs> of it. it's like this cool mix and it's just like your work to me is so clean it's like you're very like when we would do the uh the sketch uh the what was the, the program we were you know in class when we well, were, yeah the master class yeah and like the way you would draw your characters was like oh they're so cute <laughs> and they're so clean and it was just like so precise like to me I'm like oh my god like and it was just like you did it like without thinking, like it felt like you were drawing without thinking. And I was just like, oh my God, like she does this, this is her. Like, you know what I mean? Cause like, especially like when you're drawing in front of people and, and all this is kind of like in your mind, you'd be like, oh God, like, what are they gonna think? What am I, what am I like, how, do I, how do I present myself? Like, you know, and it's just so cool. Like how like beautifully and, and um, the emotions that your characters have, um and just like the kind of like world in the the environment that you create in your pieces like um this is what I really wanted to say about your work is that I believe your work gives like the the number one thing that I see is giving people hope and like a hope for a better not just tomorrow but a better today and um that's like to me that's like super huge because that's like something that I always want to give in my stories and I was seeing this in your work constantly and just it's you, it just feels like you you I don't know how to say it like uh I don't I don't know if I need to say much but I just <laughs> want to say like I love the hope that you give in your work I love the um this uh soft and pure yet natural and human like this kind of like we're not perfect and it's okay you know like it's okay that it's not perfect it's okay if things aren't working right now like it's totally fine you know but we can also still have hope for um um like I said like a better tomorrow a better today but also too that even this even because what I want to say is like it's not so much and I think we when we have the idea of success, you know, it's like, okay, when I get that big house, then, you know, thumbs up. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, you can be happy today. Like, and I yeah. feel your work is saying, hey, wait, 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 you can be happy today. Like, yes. you know, so. Like, wow, I've never heard a word described like that. And I'm so thankful that you shared that because it's hard to get the perspective of how it's received. Mm. But those are the key things that I genuinely try to share because just to connect to even as we talk about my work, but from where I am, like it took that 
leap when I heard those words from him, like, you know, you're, you're doing a good job. And I felt like I'm finally allowed to tell my story in my work. I'm finally allowed to say, you know, I'm doing okay. Instead of like that idea that, you know, got to keep grinding, got to keep working hard, got to get into Disney, got to get into the top animation studio in your city. You got to, you have to be so fixated in this work mindset. And I was like, when he said that, it's like I was itching to there, but I didn't have the confidence to, mm-hmm. to really release myself from the, the idea that I needed to keep working so hard mm-hmm. for something I didn't actually want. Right, and right. when he said, you know, you're doing a good job, like, and the thing was, I also want to encourage others listening as well, because it's a lot of us artists as well. We're actually doing a lot of things like we're working very hard yeah. towards what it is that we want. And some of us, we've worked on books like in freelance, like we've done so much freelance work and it's not even like we're not doing anything. Like We have so many things that we've done yeah. and yeah. it's not even about oh, you know, am I good enough? It's just hearing from someone else, you know, you you did it, like you're doing it and you're going to make it because yeah. you know that you're doing it. Like I was doing all those other things and I was confident in it. But hearing that from him gave me that added, like that seal of approval from <laughs> another source because I already approved myself. Yeah. But it's like a reinforced seal on top. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I was right. <laughs> Like that little voice in the back that's rooting for you, that one little sound, like he's that one little voice sometimes, the 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 resounding voice that stays there, even when you're beating up on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Even when you're like, man, I don't know if it's for me, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. But sometimes there's a part of you that still believes. And when you hear that reinforcement from an established person or someone you trust, someone that you love, that maybe they don't talk about it all the time, they, they don't talk about your work, but they open up to you one time and they say, you know what, I actually think you did an amazing job. Right. That's sometimes that's all you need to hear. And like for my work from 2019 fall, I took that time to say, you know, I'm going to develop this new portfolio. And then right in 2020 spring, I said, I'm going to share my story. Like, you know, the pandemic hit and everything, but there's a, like, if you've seen my Instagram page, it's the only thing live right now. Like my website is down temporarily. It'll be up very soon, Mm -hmm. but there's a clear distinction between like my old stuff and my (laughs) new stuff. And I, I feel like I came into a place where I was sharing my journey as a person. Yeah. I was just being honest. And, you know, the place where I was before, I was like, you know, working hard to get to that place in the future, yada, yada, yada. But in my current stuff that I do, and at the time in 2020, it's more or less saying, you know, this is how I felt about this. And it wasn't perfect, but I know today's better to get it's, it's, it's better to be okay today than hope that tomorrow's going right. to be better. at least I have right now. At least I have right now. Right. If I can hope for now, then that hope will carry into tomorrow. I can't just dismiss today and hope for tomorrow. I, I want to hope in the moment and bring that with me into tomorrow. And I feel like that's where I find myself now in my art, where I'm in a place where I just want to be authentic and honest about you know being it's not just about being an artist it's about being a human it's Mm. about being a person and if there's anything that the lord because the lord is honestly the biggest factor in all of this because yeah i've been going in circles my whole life trying to run from art and i finally got back to it where i'm like yes um 
I accept art. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not where I want to be as an artist in terms of my skill level. And but that's okay. I'm just going to express what I feel and just focus on the reality that, you know, whether my skill is good or bad, how I actually feel about myself is more important because, you know, for me, like I feel like a lot of people when I look at my art it's kind of like a journal for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, it's like therapeutic and like, yeah, I de-stress when I draw. But for me, every time I start drawing, I start remembering the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. Right. <laughs> remembering all the Lord kind of brings up all these things like, hey, do you remember this conversation you had six months ago? It's time that we address that. And I'm in this trance of like drawings. So I'm working through things mm-hmm. as I draw. I don't consider it therapeutic in the sense that I go draw to relieve stress, I kind of draw to like work on myself almost. And it just happens to be that art is that thing for me. Cause otherwise I'd be doing other things to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I love to do, I I like physical activity to an extent. I'm not, I'm not an exercise person, but I like to be with family. I like quality time. I like to sing. I love music. And I'd rather be doing those things, honestly, if it not, if art wasn't that thing for me. But because it keeps following me, I accepted that, you know, I'm going to art is my medium that the Lord has given me to to express myself. So I use that to share, you know, you know, art is my vehicle and it's the tool that I hope for me in my life that um, I can use to empower the next person because the way I use it isn't the way someone else is going to use mm-hmm. it. But right, right, right. The resource that I'm giving today and the encouragement that I give through art today is, is enough for the next person because I can't assume that everybody treats art the way I do because right. I, I tend to have a very practical approach to it. And even the way you talk about like the clean lines, like that's always been a thing for me. I, was, I just like clean line art. Like even my sketches are clean. Right. I was like, she knows exactly <laughs> when she wants to draw. <laughs> Like, how? I'm like the dirtiest artist. So anytime I see somebody's clean, I'm like, how? they they know what they want. I'm still like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Right. And it's probably a part of my, my mindset or my personality or my comfort zone where mm-hmm. when I know something works, I kind of stick with it. And I, I expand from places out of my comfort zone, yeah. which, is, which isn't always great. But it works for the purposes that I use it for. So there's no shade on that. But <laughs> and yeah, you know, that's just my art. Like it's I'm focusing, my art is a, uh, an expression of me, but it's not all of me. Right. And it's ever changing, as with other artists as well. And um, I'm excited. That's and that, that's how I wrap that up. That's that's how I end that. <laughs> I'm just excited. Jeez, and that you know what dang that's that's just good that ooh, i'm sorry i i needed that i need to hear that because again just the dauntingness of of and it's crazy i don't even know if i should say that but it can feel like there's just always just this constant pressure even if things are good if you let it you can still allow pressure to hit you that you're not good enough not this and there's all these kind of things but it's kind of like you said i'm excited and 
I, what brought me back to being excited, you know, like the Christmas morning when you're a kid or like, you know, if your parents or someone's like, oh, we're going to take, I haven't been in Disneyland in ages, but when I did go, I was super excited. There was no thought of like failure or this is going to go wrong or this part of the day is going to suck or I got to go to this job and just, you know, it's like, no, like I'm excited. I'm excited. Like just saying that. And just, I think that just, again, like, we were talking early, talking earlier, we were talking earlier off of the podcast, pre-podcast talk, just about <laughs> like um, the mental things that God is doing in our hearts where taking out these toxic thoughts or, or mentalities or, or just pressure or how like I was, uh, we were both talking about how mean we could be to ourselves. Like, you know how, like, I would never, the things I say to myself, I'll never even think of saying to someone else, like, and, and how God would be like, yo, like, why are you even talking to yourself like that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, who, like you, you're human. You apply to this kindness and love thing that you love doing for others. You can do that for yourself. But um, thank you for saying, be excited. Cause I can be actually excited about today. I was excited about this podcast but I wasn't even really sure, like I was planning out what else I've got to do today, but it wasn't exciting. I was like, oh, but like, mm -hmm. wait, no, I can be excited. I can be excited about doing these plans for stuff about my car, blah, 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 whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and life can be excited. Just like what I get out of your work. Like, no, today is good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Period. <laughs> yeah, period. Like you don't have to, it's not because of this, this, that, like you, it's already, yeah. it's already like open and allowed to us that today is good you know yes. kind of thing so yeah. um yeah. yeah okay let me let me hit you because we I don't know how much time we got we got maybe some more time I still want to hit some of these couple of points okay. here before, before we before we wrap up anything but um so we know that you are or they don't know I know I don't know if you're still in the state, but you are currently working on three books or four. You, or I don't know if I can even say that, right? I don't know. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> like, don't tell them I'm working all this. <laughs> just passed. I just finished one book. So I'm, I was working on three books actively, and, but now I'm finally down to do. So <laughs> for at one point it was four and I was like, Lord, yeah. How, what did I do? And you know what? I'm just gonna before you, I know you might continue and ask a question, like another question, but yeah, I was working on four books originally, just to give context. It started off as one, then it became two, and then it turned into three, which turned into four. Wow. So yeah, yeah, I'll leave it there and then you, you can ask a question. So it didn't, I didn't plan it, it just happened. It just it just <laughs> <laughs> the way the raw the ball rolled it just yeah, yeah. okay so you're doing all these books right mm -hmm. first of all this is this is a blessing any you know this is this is great this this again this is even more evidence like yo you you you're created to do this you can do it um mm -hmm. And, and you're in demand, you know, yeah. so like, I, probably like a, there's a physical, you know, there's a spiritual, there's a financial, all these things are showing like, Hey, thumbs up. Hey, you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is great. You know? Um, so with that, how, how are you going about managing, <laughs> trying to manage and work on these things? Like, what is your, what are your days look like? How, and I know that 
possibly too, because again, we're all on the journey. You're on a journey too, and you're growing and learning how um, and getting better at like managing projects and okay, I'll do this, or maybe I added too much. Maybe next time I'll say, hey, this will be at this point and then we'll see how this goes and then we'll do this, this, that, or whatever, you know, but how are you? <laughs> Okay. I like that question. Thank you. I can answer it. From, it's so clear how I can answer it okay. now. So much, Reggie. So, how am I in terms of what you just shared? Yeah. I am informed. <laughs> I am informed <laughs> of the industry. So, I work in the, I guess, the children's book industry, the YA, young adults, and um, publishing and publishing in terms of as an illustrator. Yeah. And, uh, one thing I've learned the past year, because it's a, it's been a year full circle since I actually started work doing this professionally. Right. So, um, it's important that I've, what I've learned is that um, in terms of how I'm doing, I'm informed that your art directors, your agent, mm -hmm. and you yourself are all learning at the same time. Mm -hmm. Nobody nobody knows everything so in the beginning when i started out um doing children's book on this scale because remember i was doing it before as well just with smaller authors so it gave me an edge to know about the workload but i didn't actually know about the you know people that you follow they like they're like oh you know pitch to art directors and send them your postcards and you know they'll get back to you and then you everything just works out and you just start working. But what I realized is they're, they have people they talk to as well in terms of there's people above them. So I'm like, they're still juggling what they're learning about you and what they're learning about in their career. So when I came in, I just thought everything was just like figured out already in terms of um, deadlines, um, how things are supposed to look, mm -hmm, how right. things are supposed to flow. And I assumed one job would be like the next right, and right. one art director might have the same guidelines like the next. So it was really challenging for me because in the, in the beginning I had one job, one book that I was working on and then there, it might start in three months. But then if you take on another job that starts in seven months from that time you agreed on it, yeah. if your first job doesn't end right. in the time that you thought they have the ability to extend the contract. Okay. So I didn't know about things like that. Right. So they might have hard deadlines and some publishers might have, um, might have more flexibility in terms of how they can stretch that. Yeah. But it, do it doesn't mean everyone has that kind of space. Right. So in terms of when you're planning your time, you have to be realistic about, okay, in a full day, <laughs> how much work can you actually do before your brain starts going out the window? So <laughs> you have to be realistic. And the good thing is I had that experience. So I knew yeah. But the yeah. thing is, when you have the pressure of thinking of, okay, there's an entire entity depending on me to create this thing by this right. date for these people on this time. So that can be an added pressure of stress. Yeah. And I never, ever imagined that it'd feel the way it did. Because it, it's like, one, you're excited that you got an opportunity. Right. Two, you feel you you feel like you're building your career. So you don't want to say 
any too many negative things or challenge things too much too much you don't right, want to right, right. you just started out they give you a chance it's like okay you know I, I can learn you're in a posture of humility to learn and being teachable but now what I found was you have to know when you need rest mm-hmm. <laughs> because um it's not their job to know that <laughs> and it's not their job to put that into the schedule as well <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're working with an agent like for me i do have an agent and i'm represented by uh inkyverse if anyone wants to know it's on my page anyways but that's i'm represented by this uh, agency so when they ask you in the beginning, you know, how much can you work? The best thing you could do is be honest with yourself and be mm-hmm. honest with them. You know, well, I can work, let's say four days a week, but your four days, a week, you have to be honest from what time to what time. Yeah. And then be realistic about your lifestyle. You need, if you need four hours to do all the things pertaining to yourself, like for example, in my day now, I would get up around, Sorry, <laughs> once I'm thinking, there's so many different- <laughs> like, wait, where do I wake up? Like, schedule things. So if I get up at six o'clock, yeah. I start working by seven. And then I, if I'm working from seven, I work until nine. Mm-hmm. And then I take like a mini break, maybe I'll have breakfast. Yeah. Then, and let's say that's an hour. So I have to clock out, okay, I need like an hour in there yeah. for myself. And then I'm working again from, let's say from seven to nine. Uh, da, 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 da. then 10 yeah. to let's say one then that's work hours right. and then let's say I need three hours to go to the store to see my family to do all, you need to be realistic about right. you know I have life demands outside of my job yeah. so in the beginning you're going to be like yeah you know opportunity 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 I'm just going to focus and dive deep but then you realize you need a social life in order to survive mm-hmm. pandemic or not you need to but put in hours, like put in the time that you need outside of sleep time for yourself. Because in the beginning, I wasn't sleeping. Like my work, because all the jobs kind of like bundled up, I did not have a sleep life nor a social life. It literally was the most unhealthy Mm. season of my life, which literally just ended on Wednesday. (laughs) In terms of that, like I'm just, being on is like uh, there'd be days where I'd get up around like when it was the worst, like several months ago, I, I didn't have a sleep schedule. I woke up when I knew I had enough sleep to put into the work. So I'd work like 18 hour days. Right. And that's like, and that's not even like, that's just work time. So just to catch up with one project and then the remaining hours of the, the six hours, four would be for sleep and two would be for eating. And just the little things that have to do throughout the day, right, but right. I really needed assistance in that time. Mm. So in terms of how I'm doing, I feel informed. Like going back into it now, when I'm planning my future projects, I know better to listen to what I want. So you have to, to really sit down with, with yourself and say, what is the life? style that I want right and you have to make your career or your work work around that and don't let it become the life that you're living or else you're not living anymore you're just working again which I fell into the same monopoly I was trying to escape so <laughs> like, wait, isn't this what I was running from and now I'm doing it with the thing that I love so I'm like hold on 
there's something wrong. I learn now if I, I want to work my ideal state. is like, I, if I want to work just six hours a day or eight hours a day, then I say that's that, or I model it the right way, which is from eight to 12, let's say, or from eight to 10 PM, 10 AM. I want to do, I want to go to the gym. I want to get my shopping done. And then from five to midnight, I want to do those things. So now, you know, the remaining hours are just work hours. So you have to prioritize your needs first and then build your work around that Mm. or else you might be, you know, compromising on what you need to produce for the art that you're making. Mm. So it's a balance. You can't just work and have art and just look, have the, you know, the bottom line being taken care of, but really you need to be poured into if you're, if you're um, spiritual as well, you need prayer time. You need time to study the word. You need time to connect with your friends. Again, you need time to connect with your family. The the things that pour into you are equally as important as as what's going to take care of your bills at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, say that. <laughs> say that. Oh my gosh. Ooh. Ooh, that just reminds me. Uh dang. Thank you for saying all of that because again, you know, we've grown up in this grind culture and in this, okay, I made it. And it's like this whole now the concentration is like, how do I keep it being in here? And instead of that taking care of yourself, now it's like it's the other way where it's like, how do I, you know, yes, my true. name good? How do I keep, uh, you know, just making sure work comes and all this kind of stuff like that without um, having that balance of like, wait, okay, I actually need rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a human being, so I need to eat. There's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, and then mapping work around it. Like that's it's so crazy because we'll map everything around the work okay, maybe I won't eat today, you know, or maybe I, you know, I won't, cause I, I've been doing that for years on years, not knowing that is like, I was almost being controlled by even, uh, 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 you know, this, this idea of like, if I, I'll be, when I get this success, then I can start living. And it's like, what? Like, and it's like that, like, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Cause you know, of course we're going to want to keep growing and getting places and doing things whatever it is but it's like no way life again is right now like I'm living I'm breathing I have you know family I have a heart like I Mm -hmm. am success right now you know let's start mapping you know healthy and correctly to keep myself the engine going (laughs) you know whatever so oh that was really good I love how you you put I don't know you're you're a clean artist so you have a (laughs) way of clarity i'm all like ah like yeah but oh my gosh like that is uh that's a blessing it's a good it's good to hear and i'm glad how you said like everybody is still in a sense still figuring it out it's like Mm -hmm. a working document you know um where you know your art director is still growing and learning and learning more about you you know the uh even from um I was going to say your uh, agent and, and just how that all works and working with other individuals and how they work. And it's always like a, you know, this step-by-step type of thing going. So it's cool to know that especially artists as they're going into the field or artists already in the field or already 10, 20 years in the field. And it's still like, you know, things are changing and productions are changing and you know, that, Hey, this is okay. Like this is, 
Honestly, it, it's okay to be realistic with yourself and not like I understand there are seasons where you know you do have to just focus on getting the work. But mm-hmm. the thing is, you have to always keep at the forefront. Okay, this is only from this time to this time, right. and then I'm going to structure myself based on a healthy model because where you start, people are going to start to expect. Oh yeah, yeah. she can work five jobs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. She, she's like she's like the Wonder Woman or something. She can right. do. Everything. But no, you're you're a person. I'm not like it's just like wait, I'm a person too. (laughs) And you never want to fall into that place where you become the workaholic in your life. Yeah. And in your circle. And just because of your need to like fulfill this inner thing that you feel like you're not actually getting anything from. And I feel like for me, I never actually felt fulfilled knowing okay i have traction now i have people who are interested in my work it's nice but at the end of the day i was tired Mm. i was fatigued i felt withdrawn i was literally physically like i felt like i was deteriorating and physically it's not right and when you you have to be honest with yourself because the thing is success is defined differently by every person differently by each person and if you're adopting an idea of success that was kind of like peddled to you, then you're already at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because you haven't taken the time to work out what you really want. So when you work out what you want, then you can at least set your standard of what you're going to allow in your life and go from there. But the things that you do consent to, you have like to the best of your ability, finish them honorably, but you still try to create room for your rest in there based on, even if it was a hard thing, like in in a hard situation, do your best to still keep your personage, your sanity, honestly, because if you lose you, where are you now? Like you're, you're no longer creating work. You're no longer doing what you love. And you start the life that you have, that you had, even the one that you're trying to change, it's worse. You actually start off in a, you're in a worse place than where you started. You never want to lose yourself in the process, especially when you're doing this for you. You never want to lose, you never want to lose yourself. That's what's up. That's what's up. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. I'm gonna move to this. There's this last thing. And then we're going to go through the little rock with you stuff (laughs) that I always do at the end. Um, One thing too, you had said this way earlier that, and this is also big for me. I told you earlier, you just got married a little bit ago. Congratulations on that. Oh my gosh, to this great, handsome, he looked real. I was like, yo, Shalene, look at the, look at the king you with. I'm like, who is this? Yo, so with you being this professional artist and everything, how has marriage life and all this, you know, how is all this working? What can you share? What insights can you give us? Uh, okay. Um, to be honest, the, the insight I will share was, is um, it's actually made my life easier. Like, wow. And, that's where I started, <laughs> where I began our relationship with my husband now. And the thing was, I knew when we were dating anyways, I said, actually, before we even started dating, I said, I am not going to get with someone that's going to make my life worse than it already is. Right. No, so that I'm someone that needs help. And I had to be honest with myself yeah. because I feel like as a woman and even as a black woman, to be honest, it could be challenging to accept that, you know, 
you do need a man in your life in the sense that right. I can't do everything alone. Right. And I come from a single parent background for a, a large portion of my life. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, what was modeled to me about single parenthood, like, you know, I can do good. I can do battle by myself. You know, I can do all this stuff. I'm, I'm a go-getter. Right, I got right, it. Right, I'll right. get, I'll get the bag and get the guy. But I'm like, that's actually not the, the life I want to live in terms of how I processed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. for some women, they actually are balanced and that's, it works great for them. But the way I internally processed that as a child was very toxic mm-hmm. and for me, I had to, when I got older, let's say, yeah, over the past five years, I've actually been sitting down with myself and reflecting, you know, you know, I want to be in a relationship where I, I feel safe enough to receive help from my partner and not feel like it's a competition and not feel like I need to one up the other person and going into dating as a whole, because the time it took uh, me to to know that my husband was, I wanted him to be my husband. It was really easy because I knew what I was looking for. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was looking for. Right. I had to be honest with myself. And when you really peel away the layers, I was like, okay, I'm an artist. I'm a, I'm an illustrator. Yeah. I work right now. I'm working all of these hours. I want to get to this place in my future. What do I need and what kind of support do I need in order to get there? And then being honest with myself in another way that what do I have to provide and how can I love someone? Mm. And me being realistic about the relationships that I had in my life with my friends, with my family, with the Lord specifically, because there's a huge pruning process that took place before I even got married, Mm -hmm. where I had to accept that, you know, uh, Shaleen, you have trouble uh, expressing yourself to people because you don't feel like you're being heard. Mm. But because of that, I felt okay, you know, talking with people, going deep about my feelings, but I never actually believed people were hearing me. Right. So mm. before, even when I was uh, wanting to get into dating at the time and that time of life where I felt I was still thinking that way, I always felt like, you know, I was connecting with people but I never felt like they understood the real me. It's like, well, duh, you didn't believe anybody was listening anyways. And this, I say that to myself in this way because it's like, wow, Shaleen, all these years you felt this way, but I never Mm. really took the time to sort it out. And I say now, like as a married woman, I haven't been married long. So I know a lot of people might feel like, you know, this person's still fresh, you're in a honeymoon phase, but I'm one that I'm coming into this believing that the honeymoon phase isn't quite a phase. It's it's a existence. It's a perpetual constant state of love that just like how you have a relationship with the Lord, you know, you have your ups and your downs, but you know, you know, you can always go back to your, your, your Lord, your God, your, your one true love. And I don't feel like it's supposed to change from that. So I, I will not adopt the belief that I need to come out of a honeymoon phase. I'm, I actually adopt the belief that I'm going to be in love my entire life. The butterflies will not go yes. in, the, in the sense that, you know, it love dies out. Like, no, love is a choice. It's a decision that you're making yeah. in terms of the person that you love. I don't like, don't depend on a feeling to tell you whether or not something is true. You have to sit and stand firm on what it is that you're the choice and the decision that you're making, because love is an action and it's a constant mm-hmm. state of being that you choose to be in. So 
I wouldn't say like for me in marriage and now balancing it, meeting my husband was like, he's, he's someone who wants to, to want love me. He wants to love me. Right. It's not like he fell. He didn't mean fall in love with each other. It's like, you know, you're someone I want to love. I was like, sitting back like, oh, I kind of want to love this guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's honestly how I felt. Hilarious. No, <laughs> like I literally felt like I, we both had yeah. our bags of what our love yeah. and things that we love about ourselves. And we're like, you know, let me tell you a bit about myself. So it's like, you're, you're, you're putting inventory inside of them. And then the, the, at the end of the day, you have a decision. You're like, you know, I, I've given you all this inventory of mine yeah. and what you choose to do with it is your decision. But whether you, whatever you choose to do, I've made my decision to love you and because anyways, so you have the key, you have the key and thank you for existing because I love you. So, you know, that's the thing about love. It's not, it's not controlling. So right. at the end of the day, you have to accept with yourself that, you know, this person can hurt you mm-hmm. and sometimes they will, but mm-hmm. that doesn't change the fact that you love them. So now when I consider my work, my husband my husband, Paul, I love him so much. And he's just, he's my help. He's my help me. Like literally just biblically, yeah. he's my help me. And when I consider our purpose, because yeah. at the end of the day, it comes down to purpose. Yeah. I couldn't be with someone that wouldn't align with my purpose. And I, I waited. And this is the thing I waited. I'm 26 years old. <laughs> I waited my entire life for my husband. Right. I'm, Oh, and like he, it means a lot to me because it was a conscious decision that I made. So yeah. I knew that in terms of me giving my love to someone, I knew that it was from when I was younger, I was like, I, I'll know. Right. And the person I meet, I'll know because God's going to do it. Right, right, right. Because God's do it. God's going to do it. And I'm going to allow God to do it in my life. Yeah. I know that I'm going to be secure. I'm going to be safe. And that whatever transpires, I'm accepting the decision that I've made. Right. God will, God will, God will propose someone and I choose. Right, 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 right. That's like, oh, you know, God gave me someone that I didn't feel like I didn't mesh with. It's not about that because God loves you. If you don't choose, like, I felt like if the Lord presented someone to me, I knew one, that they'd be aligned with my purpose. Two, that um, it would just, it's going to work. But I also acknowledge that I, God's not forcing me. Right, so right. <laughs> so Paul helps with my with my work in terms of like I'm I like technology and stuff, but he's way better than I. Am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like he literally like he's just the biggest helper in my life that I like the way we mesh yeah. is supernatural in that way. It's like everything that I needed help with, he he has it. Absolutely. And everything that he needs help with, I'm there for. And yeah. it's like you literally, people say, you know, write a list or something, but I, I'm not against it because at least you're being honest with yourself and mm-hmm. what's inside of you. But it's amazing how God knows what your needs are right. in life. And he met those. So now when I know when I'm working, I have a confidence that, you know, Paul, my husband, he's there for me yeah. and that yeah. anything that comes up or any opportunity that comes my way, we're going through it together because our purpose is aligned together. So I can rest in that assurance knowing that, Hey, you know what? 
my work is connected to my purpose. His work is connected to his purpose. And as he helps me with mine and I help me, I help him with his, we're actually moving together into this very clear vision that we set out. Mm -hmm. So I'd also say that too, like for me coming into our relationship, uh, our marriage, I actually had a very clear vision that the Lord had given me Mm -hmm. that year. And I just, it might feel, it might say, Oh, you know, it's just an idea, but there are God ideas that (laughs) there are God ideas and there's a casual ideas. And for me, I was like, no, when you have a vision, when God gives you a vision, it's, you can stand on that knowing that the Lord's going to come to pass as long as you do the work, as long as you work with him to do it. So, and I believe that in marriage as well, because marriage is also a mission and it's, it's a, it's 100% and 100%. It's not 50, 50, right, 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 right. 100, 100. So I'm bringing all of me. You're bringing all of you. Right. And we're going to grow together into the individual purposes the Lord has for each person, but you're doing it together. Right. So I'm like, I like that because you don't lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're mm-hmm. actually, you're still yourself. Cause they, when you fall in love or when you love each other, you go into marriage, you're in a place where you have all your life demands and your partner knows that. Yeah. And so now when you get married, it's supposed to get better in the sense that I'm conscious and aware of what your needs are because I took the time to, to do the work, to dig and see what they are. Yeah. So now that you guys join together and become one, it's like, okay, I'm conscious and aware that your needs are this. And because you're my one, pri- you're my number one priority. You're my partner and my life partner. I'm going to do my best to meet those needs. Yeah. To, you know, as humanly possible, I'm not trying to be God, but right. you know what they are. It's not like having a sibling where, you know, your sibling is there for you. However, the relationship is different yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. the the demand is different because if I'm just, I'm going to be honest. Well, it's just the truth <laughs> because when you're in, a, you're in a relationship, any relationship with a sibling, but if you're, if you have a married sibling, they still have a responsibility to their wife or their husband right. and, you know, and their family. And you, as a person that loves your sibling, mm-hmm. you respect that. So now you can finally have, when you're married and now you're in a place where you can tell someone something about you that will not distract another person from what they're supposed to focus on. That's interesting. And it's guilt-free. Yeah. 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 That that was my thing personally. So I'll, and I'm just being honest because among all the things I've learned, even as an art, art art taught me this, art art taught me all this stuff. (laughs) This is how the Lord deals with me through art. So, you know, um, in terms of just the relationship is being able to say, okay, because we're both each other's priority exclusively, like my number one priority is, is Paul because yeah. it's a representation of Christ in the church in terms of how we honor each other. Yeah. I know that I have to take that intentional time to know what he needs right. and know what he'd like. And even if I can't meet it, I listen. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the other relationships I have in my life until I was married, I feel like now I can really share what it is that I feel in a way that's not just from a sister to a sister, a brother to a sister. It's a different relationship. And it all ties back into art at the end of the day, because it's just another way. It's just, it's like productivity to be on my productivity has increased 
my my computer is better. I, I have a computer now. I was working on a laptop I, I was using for the past five years. <laughs> Ever since like we got together, like officially, like everything changed, and because we were committed to each other in that way. And so, in terms of marriage, uh, it was you know, it's been a true blessing yeah. the way that it was designed to be. And I believe that for everyone, but personally for myself, I believe that it's going to be a continual thing. And the seasons of life will take place as the Lord is pruning each of us, but not because, you know, life happens because life happens. But I believe there's a purpose and a reason for everything. And even if I don't agree or understand it, I know that for the decisions that I've consciously made, I'm believing for the best. Yeah. Dang, that's probably... (laughs) I was like, that was probably some marriage counselor. Anybody who's married, uh, like, listen, jeez. And I, you know, I desire marriage so much. Everybody knows that by now. Um, so, oh my gosh. Ooh, thank you so much for sharing all of that goodness and insight. And again, yo, praying that you guys continue to grow and be all that God has made y'all to be, your marriage and, and, um, it's just, and yeah, I mean, I can go on and on, but uh, super exciting to hear and hear how it's working well and how it is good, how things have gotten easier. And uh, it's just like teamwork, you know, again, I know as, us as artists, a lot of times we're just one person working on one illustration, but it's yeah. cool when um, you have help and you have people and you have, you know, um, you know, just someone to help, you know, and that's what, you know, we're, we're on this planet with millions of people. So it'll be good. You guys, let's start helping each other. <laughs> it's, we're supposed to be, you know, uh, yeah, all that. Okay. Let me, um, let's get into these, these questions, these rock with you questions. <laughs> I always do. Okay. So the first question is, uh, I didn't even write, usually I write it down, even though I know what they are. Uh, first one is, what is something that you do not like? Now, again, this can be something you can be, this would be as serious as you want or as goofy mm-hmm. as you want. Just something you don't like or something you hate. I don't like saying hate, so. Something- yeah, yeah, I don't use the word hate. Like, so <laughs> right. One thing I really don't like is warm water, like lukewarm water. It's weird, but I just don't. I like cold water. I get into, argu- not arguments, but discussions about this from time to time right. or even if it's tea if it's tea it's intended to be hot for you know drinking pleasure so my mind says okay this is tea so it's okay if it's warm right but if you're presenting it to me to drink as you know refreshing cool water on a hot day I don't I it it bothers me <laughs> it actually bothers me I have to go inside myself and say okay this is it's okay. It's lukewarm water. Like I have to tell that to myself. It's unfortunate, but it's just the way I am. That's, I so... like... <laughs> that's it. <laughs> warm water. Okay. That's a, I want to put that on the, <laughs> I should write down all the things that people don't. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's yeah. I don't really think about it too much, but like when I'm doing the heavy physical work, yeah. Cold water, of course, is like, yo, that mess just hits. <laughs> The mind, the heart, it hits everything. It's like this, this is correct. This is how it's supposed to work, not warm. So I'm with that. Okay. Um, second question. What was the second one? Second one is uh, and it's kind of cool because I asked this question, but I feel like that's actually what is happening in the podcast. The question is is um 
man, I should have wrote it down. It's like, uh, how, 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 how do I say this question? And then people <laughs> always ask me like, wait, what do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> what is being vulnerable to you? Yeah, that's like kind of the question. It's not. Okay. Being vulnerable to me is putting yourself in a position of sharing from an intimate place on in your heart. Yeah. And, you know, it's that simple. I think it's just that. You're putting you're literally letting someone in right. <laughs> you're letting someone inside to see the truth of anything of whatever capacity of being vulnerable is giving someone else um you know the knife is giving some and like you know <laughs> whether they use it or not it's up to them but that's vulnerability in my mm. eyes i like that i really <laughs> you're like it's like you're giving them the knife that i love that oh i want to use that somewhere <laughs> Exposing so your dumb. back and saying, "Okay, here's the knife. You know, you can stab me if you want, but right. it is what it is." Dang, <laughs> I love that. It's like, yeah, you're giving them tools to either cut or they can even, even they, you know. And at the same time, too, it's like um, I think when I think about myself being vulnerable, it's like um, you're opening up the doors for somebody to even help you, you know. <laughs> in your weak areas or in something like that too. So even with that knife, how they can carve that or use that, uh, whether they, you know, help to mold or, and even mold themselves. I'm giving you this, I'm opening up so you can now look at yourself, you know, or, or see that, uh, oh, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Or, you know, something like that. This is a struggle. Or you can, you know, stab you can stab me with it. <laughs> you know you can cut so, so it's like you don't have to use the knife they can just you know bring some gauze over you know some some things that heal you and i feel like that's the power of vulnerability you know yeah. a lot of healing takes place in vulnerability it, but it's a, and it's a hard thing to do and that's yeah. why you know i feel when i think of one for me at least it's always okay i'm I'm opening up. I'm letting this person see what's there. Right. And I, don't, I don't think it means to be weaponized at all, but you know, in terms of the visual, I feel like the most literal example is like backstabbing. It's like going against, going behind someone's back for something they shared with you in private. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I imagine you know the knife is an option, but you're still exposing yourself. But that doesn't mean you're you're you have to use it. It doesn't mean, actually, it doesn't even have to be an option. You just expose your back. You know, you can go and expose your back and see what they use. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Dang. Oh, I love the way you put that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, You guys, uh, again, Shalene, thanks so much. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah cover a lot yeah and time is going so i don't want to take too much of your time shalene thank you so much for coming on this podcast thanks for opening up sharing all the information you have um i know that people are going to be blessed with this uh i cannot wait to clip this thing up and clip this clip that all oh, this is so much goodness that you have put out there so um so yeah also you guys i'll have uh links to her work her igs all this kind of stuff matter of fact shaleen well i don't know because you might be changing your your uh handle soon i don't know yeah 
So um, in terms, in regards to that, my handle now is Shaleen Rodney, and it's gonna be up for a little while, but I could say by New Year's, it's going to change to Shaleen Wright. And, or if you just follow my Instagram page there, it's gonna have the links to get to my website and any other place, but that's essentially what it's gonna be. My name will always be Shaleen as a whole, which should be easy to find. There's not too many of us <laughs> Shaleen's in the world, but <laughs> with my specific spelling. And, um, but yeah, that, that, that's about it. The update will be on in a post for from Shaleen Rodney to Shaleen Wright of some type. If I can't get it like literally like that, then it'll have like a two word underscore or, so, or something. We're gonna get the we're gonna get the name. Yeah, let me get it. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, well, uh, yep, you guys. That is gonna be the episode. I'm gonna have links for you guys uh, for Shaleen's work, and you'll see all the things through the post, all this kind of stuff like that. Um, so again, thanks, Shaleen, for coming on the podcast. Um, and you guys, again, you guys know that you're blessed. Uh, you know, today, just like in this podcast, you can be excited, you can enjoy today, right now, and you can take care of yourself because uh, you're already successful. You're already good. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it. Um, and we'll see you guys soon. All right. And we're out. Yay. <laughs>